0: Well, stay standing, please, for the reading of God's Word. This is Acts chapter 14. We're going to be reading the first seven verses together. Starting in verse 1, this is the Word of God. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with the rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Praise God for the reading and for the hearing of his word. Let's pray together. Thank you, God, so much for your people singing. Lord, we do bless you. We magnify your name. We do it together. What an awesome privilege that Jesus Christ has afforded to us to worship you without fear, without condemnation, without shame. We can come and sing our praises to King Jesus. Thank you, God, for that. Lord, as we come, we're so thankful for what you're doing. Thank you for Ray and Elijah. Thank you for their commissioning to Eden Church in North Des Moines. What a privilege it is to be a part of a church planting group, seeing your kingdom expand in the central Iowa area. That's a privilege for us, God. And Lord, we thank you for school right around the corner, God. We are just finishing up summer. We can feel it. We know it. And Lord, I pray for our teachers. I pray for all of our teachers in this room, right right here and right now, God, that you would empower them and strengthen them God, to impact their students in their classrooms and their schools for your glory this year. May you fill them with the spirit of God and with boldness to share the gospel when it's right on time. And I pray for our students. God, may this be a year of incredible growth and change in their lives. Lord, may you bless their classrooms. May you work in their midst. Would you please make this the biggest year ever of students making decisions for Jesus Christ and to stand for him. And Lord, may you bless us as we come into your word now, God. What a privilege it is to to see this divine, breathed out message from you. Lord, would you please give us hearts to receive it, give us ears to hear the word of God. I pray that you would save those who are lost, bring them to faith in Christ this morning, and I pray that you would build up the saints, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, once again, thank you for being at church this morning. Welcome. My name is Josh, preaching pastor here. Our sermon series is The Thriving Church. And last week, Charles Ware, my friend, blessed us by reminding us that a thriving church happens in a reviling culture. And you were blessed by that message. Amen. Amen. I love listening to Charles preach. Every time I hear him preach, I'm like, oh God, make me a better preacher. Make me a better one. I love listening to Charles. But he blessed us in a lot of ways. And I'm so thankful to dig into scripture uh, this week with you. And as we get into this passage, I do want to make a little preaching note. We are jumping into Romans for the fall. So once we hit September, we're going to be leaving Acts And we're going into Romans. We're going to be in Romans chapter 4, 5, and 6 all fall. And I am giddy. I am so excited to preach Romans to you. I'm a little scared too. Can I admit that? Preaching Romans is a whole deal, man. It is unbelievably deep and good. But I want to say how much I've enjoyed preaching through Acts. Acts has been one of those unexpected blessings as a pastor. To preach out of the book of Acts has been such a joy. And we will take a break from it. And we will return to Acts chapter 14 when we we uh, get through Easter next year. and We're going to go spring and summer. All through Acts, we're going to finish this book off next summer. So I'm looking forward to that. Anyway, my sermon title this morning is Rinse and Repeat the Victorious Process of Church Planting. Rinse and Repeat the Victorious Process of Church Planting. Now, Rinse and Repeat is a cultural phrase that we use all the time. It stands for predictable processes and actions that normally lead to successful outcomes. So when you say the phrase rinse and repeat in American culture, you basically mean do this over and over again and normally you'll have a good result. So normally we talk about rinse and repeat regarding your hair, like when you shampoo your hair, Rinse and repeat for best results, right? And some of you guys are like, dude, I don't have any here. I know, go with me, right, in the the metaphor here. Uh, Some of you use it, rinse and repeat, regarding your laundry, right? Your laundry. Just rinse and repeat to get all the stain out, and then you'll be good to go. Some of you use rinse and repeat regarding dishes at home, right? Rinse and repeat. Do that again. And and our poor Daggett dishwasher, I got it. Prayers for our dishwasher, please. As you think about our dishwasher, which is often, I'm sure, um, pray for it. That thing is rinse and repeat all the time. That thing never goes off cycle. I'm just ready to replace it. Anyway, rinse and repeat. In Acts chapter 14, verses 1 through 7, it is a process. As you read Acts chapter 13 through chapter 28, you are going to see this rinse and repeat process regarding the gospel spreading through churches being planted. Okay. There is a thing called church planting. It's very close to God's heart and it is how the kingdom of God expands into new places. And and this pattern is seen in Acts 14, one through seven of rinse and repeat. Do the same pattern over and over again. And this is how you plant churches in new places. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but churches must be planted if the kingdom of God is going to expand. All right. I just want you to get that in your head. Churches have to be planted. In order for the kingdom of God to expand. Because Jesus said. I will build my church. And the gates of hell won't prevail against it. We'll get to that verse later. But here's the reality of church planting. Church planting. Is a group of believers who believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ so much that they are willing to risk their lives, they're willing to risk their livelihoods, they're willing to risk their reputation in order for the church to be planted where the name of Jesus is not being named. That's powerful. That is what has to be rinsed and repeated throughout not only the book of Acts, but in our time as well. So to use a modern example, the Engage Network, which is a group of gospel-centered churches, planting gospel-centered churches, that's the network we run with. The Engage Network, we've been very blessed to see this rinse and repeat um, reality, this process, go on over and over again in central Iowa. So I can't talk about global church planting, I can't talk about national church planting, but what I can say is that in central Iowa, God is doing a really cool thing through this rinse and repeat process called church planting in the Engage Network. Now, here's how it's worked. I think I have a slide for us here. This is how it's worked for us. We start with fasting and prayer. You cannot plant churches without fasting and prayer as your foundation stone. What is fasting and prayer? It's giving up food and it's giving up time to go pray to God and ask God to do a great work in a certain community for his glory. That is how it starts. Acts 13, one through three. Mark talked about it two weeks ago in his sermon. The church got together and they fasted and they prayed. And then God, through the Holy Spirit, set apart a person to go plant the churches. Now, it was Paul and Barnabas being sent out. And we have seen in central Iowa, a person rise up to the top as we fast and pray. We see a man called by God to go plant a church. And then he picks a place, objective and subjective realities, and he picks that place and God surrounds it with people such as Ray and Elijah Morgan going to North Des Moines to plant a church. And all God's people said, that's good. This is a good thing. We're very humbled to be like this. But you didn't come here to hear about Engage this morning. You came to hear the word of God. Amen. So let's get into that. Starting in verse one. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue. Now who is who's entering the Jewish synagogue? Paul and Barnabas. Let's catch up with our boys, Paul and Barnabas. They're on their first missionary trip. They were commissioned by God in one, and they are just coming out of Antioch of Pisidia. Now they have to shake the dust into this town called Iconium. Now where in the world is Iconium. Iconium, we have a picture here for you to give you a cluster of these little cities called Antioch and Lystra and Derbe. And you can see it kind of in the center of the map. It's in the region called Galatia. This region in Galatia, this is where Paul and Barnabas are hanging out, planting churches in very pagan places. Now Iconium is a city that's filled with ex, So a lot of Roman soldiers, they live in this this place. Jews live here and a bunch of Greeks and pagans. And this is where Paul and Barnabas are going. This region called Galatia. What do we know about Galatia? Here's what we know. This region is very stubborn. They give Paul a very... You don't know of any stubborn people, do you? We're Iowa nice our stubborn is hidden underneath niceness can i get an amen <laughs> so this 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 place called galatia it was very hard they made life very apostle paul paul actually wrote a letter a very intense letter called galatians and he wrote this letter in order to correct some bad theology that was coming into the region and into the churches it was a very intense letter in fact paul used very strong language to correct this church, this group of churches, to get them on track with the gospel. Their time in Galatia would not be easy. Paul owned in Lystra, and he would have a very hard time with suffering as he went to preach the gospel. So my first application, church planting is not easy. Can I get an amen? Church planting. If you go to start a church in a place where there is no church, let me tell you right now, it is not easy. And I tell you that it is easy because they're lying to you. It's a very hard thing. Getting the gospel out is victorious and it is good because Jesus is victorious over death and the grave. But the process by which the church is started is very hard because, in fact, we are doing war with the devil himself. So therefore, some of you Christians need to wake up, this is real, this is spiritual warfare, and this is hard. I've sat down with many church planters over the years to talk about church planting. And when we sit in coffee shops, some of the guys that I've met with have visions of glory. It's just going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be no problems. I'm going to probably preach to thousands and thousands of people. And I'm like, dude, I think it's the caffeine talking, not Jesus, right? And I've talked to several church planters who had visions of glory. They didn't see any suffering in the future. Crashed and burned and failed because they did it without the reality that it is going to be hard. It's going to be the hardest thing you ever do in your life. But church is worth it every time. Amen? We're sitting in the fruit of a grocery store turning into a church because somebody believed that this would be a cool thing to plant a church. We benefit because of God's work through the gospel. We are a result of church planting. So here's my big idea as we come to the passage. Church planting is this massive battlefield full of lows that ultimately results in victory for Jesus, victory for the gospel, and glory to God. So that's my big idea. Church planting is this massive battlefield, and it's filled with highs and lows, and it ultimately results in victory for Jesus, for victory for the gospel and glory to God. This is the rinse and repeat process of church planting. I'm going to give you five highs and lows of church planting, because church planting can't be all high, right? And it can't be all low either. Like so You're going up and down hills. That's how it is to plant a church. Why am I telling you this? Because the text says so, also because living waters, the idea is not to grow big, it's not to be something, our our heart is to plant churches, amen? And I want you to walk into this thing knowing what the highs and lows are, because Things have not changed in 2,000 years. It still works the same way. If, as we mother a church and as we plant a church down the road as a, as a Living Waters Fellowship Church and we go see the gospel go somewhere new and we get to be the, the mother church, not the planted church, this is going to be amazing. We need to know what we're getting into. And I think that's what the text is going to say. So there's highs and lows. We'll start with a high, okay? High point number one is the initial victory in verse one. The initial victory. And they spoke in such a way that a Jews and Greeks believed. Paul and Barnabas spoke the gospel and, and a whole bunch of people got saved. That is called an initial victory. And all God's people said, amen. That's good. There's a victory. People are coming to Christ. Jews and Greeks. There's a lot of people coming to Jesus. This fits with what Jesus said about his church. Matthew sixteen eighteen. I will build my church And the gates of hell won't prevail against it. The church is to be on the offensive, right? Not on the defensive. Go out and punch Satan in the face by preaching the gospel. Now, when we preach the gospel, things are gonna happen. People are gonna get saved. Now, they spoke the gospel. Do you see that? They spoke. They spoke. They moved their mouths in such a way. Did you know that the gospel has to be spoken? You got to preach the gospel. You got to actually open your mouth and share the gospel. No one gets saved by telepathy, right? (laughs) You go weirdo, stand next to somebody and be like, if I think really hard about Jesus, maybe they'll catch my telepathy thought and they'll get saved. That's ridiculous. But yet some of you live your lives like that. Like You never share the gospel because you're like, well, I hope if I just live my life they'll just magically come to Jesus one of these days. And you've heard that that phrase, you know, like, live your life for the gospel and when necessary, use words. Have you heard that before? I've heard that a thousand times. Like, I'll just live my life and if necessary, I'll use words. Ladies and gentlemen, give me a break, okay? You can live your life for Jesus all day long And never say anything. And someone you love can go to hell because you won't say anything about Christ. I want to encourage you to look at Paul and Barnabas and say, they spoke. Now, you parents, you tell this to your kids all the time. Use your words, right? We say that all the time. Use your words. And the kids are like, I can't. I don't want to right? whatever. We need to receive this. As a child from God the Father to say, use your words, speak the gospel. Now, here's another thing. They spoke in such a way. Do you see that? That phrase, in such a way, refers to the manner in which they spoke. It refers to the nonverbals and the ethos of their message. Not only did they speak the gospel, but they said it convincingly. They said it persuasively. They actually said it with love and with an attitude of love for the people. How you say something matters. How you say it matters. Some of you are like, I just need to get the words out. Hey, Jesus loves you, man. Died on the cross for his sins. And you're shocked that nobody's getting saved under your ministry. How about you say it with some persuasion? How about you say it with some love? How about you care about the person that you're talking to? How about you tell your face, right? To love the person with your eyes and your mouth, and care about your expression because it matters. Biblically, it matters. They spoke in such a way that they were persuasive. Second Corinthians chapter five verse eleven, the apostle Paul said this: "Knowing the fear of God, we persuade men. We should persuade people to believe in Jesus. Now, this is the initial victory. It's amazing, right? This is a high." You preach the gospel, lots of people get saved, Jews and Gentiles, everybody's coming to Christ. That's a high point. Wouldn't that be cool if church planting just ended like that? You show up, there's a crowd, you preach, everybody gets saved, butterflies and rainbows for the rest of the experience. Hallelujah, Jesus comes back, we're good, right? That is not what happens. Because there are not only highs in church planting, there are lows as well. And the low point, number one, is in verse two, and that's the counterattack. So verse two says, the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. This is a low point. Everybody comes to Christ, but then there's this counterattack. Not everyone believed in the gospel message. There were unbelieving Jews who counterattacked Paul and Barnabas by actively agitating the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. They poisoned their mind. It literally says they poisoned their minds, which means they embittered their mind. They made their mind bitter. Basically, they said, you see those Paul and Barnabas guys? They're a problem. They're an issue. They're bringing in foreign gods, foreign ideas. And this is the counterattack of Satan. Satan is not just going to sit back and let everybody get saved. And yeah, yeah, all right. Souls are coming in. Satan's not going to do that. He's the enemy of Jesus. So he is going to use these unbelievers to draw up this counterattack. And the counterattack looks like bitterness. What is bitterness? Bitterness is disappointment, resentment, holding a grudge. Not that anybody struggles with that in here. Can I get an amen? Nobody struggles with that, sin. Like bitterness, holding a grudge, resentment. Our, Our world thrives off of bitterness, thrives. And people look at the church today and they're disappointed with the church. I've been so hurt by the church. I resent the church. I'm holding a grudge against the church. I don't like that pastor. I don't like that staff. I don't like how they do that. I'm disappointed with this. I'm resentful towards that. I'm holding a grudge towards this. Listen, that is the reality of the world we live in. If you think everybody's just coming to Jesus and singing hunky-dory all day long, that is absolutely false. There is a counterattack to the gospel. And the counterattack is bitterness. Hebrews twelve fifteen says this, let no root of bitterness grow up within you. Because if the root of bitterness grows up within you, it'll grow up and defile many people. People who don't know Jesus or refuse to believe in Jesus, they struggle with this area of bitterness. And I would say within the church, like, there's, there's no shortage of gossip circles. You know what I'm saying? There's no sor- shortage of people getting in their gospel circle and saying, hey, let's get bitter. Let's get angry. Let's get resentful. Let's hold the grudge. Let's do that. That is easy, okay? That's easy to do. It's easy to sin in the area of bitterness. And what I'm telling you is this. When we plant churches and we preach the gospel, we must stand against bitterness. Got no time for that. Christians, Christians, don't waste your time on bitterness. Don't waste your time on gossip. You know why? Because we got a mission. We got to be focused. We got to understand that if we're sharing the gospel, it's going to be, uh, we're going to be targeted. And we got to not only be okay with that, we got to be joyful about that. That is actually a badge of honor. If someone's talking bad about you, that's actually really good. Hallelujah. Jesus approves of you. Hallelujah. Keep going. Bitterness has destroyed the hearts and minds of many, many people. And this is the counterattack to the gospel every single time. Satan has not stopped his tactics. They're still the same. So my challenge to you is this. Be on the lookout for bitterness in your life. Shut it out. Stop it. Refuse it. Walk away from the conversation. Say, I got no time for that. I got to preach Jesus i got to get the gospel out to people. i got to love people. i got to stay focused. This is the counterattack. That's bad. That's low, That's, right? That's a low point. Now back to the high point. High point number two is steadfast boldness. Verse three, they remained for, for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So the second high point of church planting is the steadfast boldness of the apostles. They weren't intimidated By the counterattack. They didn't run away when they were attacked, but the Spirit of God empowered them to stand and consistently speak boldly with freedom and courage. Jesus gave them the message. They spoke the Word of God, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus gave them the love. The Word of His grace was in their life. They they preached grace. And Jesus gave them power. There were signs and wonders that, that accompanied their preaching. Now, the pattern of church planting is this. We don't have leaders that that get sidetracked. We have leaders who stand and stay diligent and stand with the gospel and say, I got no time for that. I got to stand and keep preaching the word. That's the sign of a thriving church is when the leadership and the Christians who are in the church stay focused, don't get sidetracked and stand with the gospel with boldness. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means you got to have some perseverance. Like, they stayed a while. So the verse says they stayed there for a while. Months upon months, they stayed there and kept preaching the gospel. Now, you might think, well, does that happen still today? Absolutely it does. I don't know what you were doing on October 5th, 2008. Do you remember that? It was a Sunday. It was a beautiful morning, crisp morning. There was a 27-year-old church planner who sat in those parking lots right over there at Riverwoods Elementary School. Thousands of flyers had gone out. And we were expecting a crowd of 150 people. We got 40. 40. And everybody's like, what's happened? Is this church falling apart already? Is It have not even started. Is it going to close? Is it going to close up next week? And I'm like, man, I'm alive. And that was the introduction to how hard it would be to plant a church in South Des Moines. The Southeast Corridor was like, nah, no, we're not into you. In fact, it takes a little while for the South Side to warm up. Can I get an Amen. <laughs> just the other day it was told to me that I've been on the south side for 15 years and I am just now being accepted as someone that can be trusted <laughs> like if that's not the most south side story of all time I don't know what is Ah, hey, you've been around for 15 years we sort of trust you kind of but not really you got to keep earning it and I'm like, this is ridiculous because there's been up and downs and all arounds, right? But we have had trial after trial, and it would have been year, easy at year six to just cash it in. It would have been easy in 2016 to just be like, you know what? Grass is greener somewhere else. Let's go somewhere else. It would be easy to to look up on stage and get ready to preach and know that there's difficulties and there's trials and there's tribulations and there's hardships and there's things going on and and those things. It would just be easy to cash it in, but it's the Holy Spirit who allows the preacher and the leadership and the church family to stand with the gospel and say, we're going to keep standing here and we're going to keep preaching the gospel and we're going to keep sharing Jesus and we're not going to get distracted by X, Y, Z thing. We are going to win for Christ. Amen? Amen. In fact, we had, a, we had an event just Tuesday night that I want to show you a little video of. Um, Ezra, our intern, made this video. And this was not a, an official church event. It was just kind of an event with us being involved, but there was a lot of other people. And we had an event for our community. And I just want you to see what happened. It was really, it was really cool. So that was really cool. We had about 350, 400 people at the park. We've done bigger events. We've probably done better events in the past. But here's the thing. This event was so powerful to me because people were standing and speaking the word to other people. It was awesome. In fact, there were two conversations specifically that I want to mention as we close this point up. Now, uh, who works here just right in the area, and she said, I can't wait to get off work because I'm going to walk my kids over. And we're going we're gonna to talk and just get these and get this food. And she came over with her kids. And we had, she and I had about a 15-minute conversation where she's just like, I don't know about this church. I don't know anything about church and God and all this stuff. But, like, here's the thing. She's like, I grew up in a certain religion. And she said, and I have been hurt over and over and over again and all those things. She said, but this is different. I said, yes, it is different because this is Jesus conversation was amazing, followed up by another couple that came, and I said, hey, you, did you you go to church anywhere? They're like, nope. We're as unchurched as they come. I said, ooh, my kind of people. I like it. (laughs) And I said, so no religious past? Nope, nothing. She's like, pastor, in fact, here's the thing. We're really intrigued by this. We really want to maybe get involved. She's like, you can think of me as a blank slate. I like blank slates. I like spiritual blank slates. the Lord. But there are so many other conversations of people and the reality is of this point is that there's a steadfast boldness. No matter what goes on, you just stand and keep preaching. You stand and be who you are. You don't have to be Billy Graham. You don't have to be some superhero Christian. You just be yourself and stand with Jesus and keep sharing the word. The best how and let God do it because that is the win of church planting. You get these conversations happening in real neighborhoods for the glory of God. And that is the win. That's the rule and reign of Jesus expanding and continuing using us. We must have steadfast boldness. Don't give up. Keep standing. Keep sharing. Finally, there was a violent stalemate. This is another low point. The city, the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, some sided with the apostles. I'm gonna fly through this point. Here's the reality of it. This was a Paul and Barnabas had made such an impact that the whole community was now divided. 50-50. Now think about it, it was 0% Christian when Paul entered the city. Now they're 50-50. Some are going with Paul, some are going with the Jews, and there is a uptick in violent threatening going on. They're going to stone Paul and Barnabas. That's how you know people are threatening to stone you. That is amazing. Because if they were just having this little pocket influence, nobody would be, nobody would be talking about them. But here they are. They've almost turned half the city to Christ. And they're like, this is a problem because this Paul and this Barnabas and this Jesus that they about is messing with our stuff. It was cute before. Now it's messing with our culture. What We do, and they start threatening violence. And I just want to tell you, this is, this is how we know that we're really reaching, the, reaching our community with the gospel. When we get to this point, where there is some sort of physical or some sort of intense threatening going on at Living Waters or to the pastors or to the evangelists or whatever, because we are making that kind of impact. I'm okay with that kind of church. Amen. I'm okay with that. But that's a low point. That's a hard thing to get through. And finally, the, the high point is the gospel on the go. When they learned of this stoning plan, they fled to Lystra and Derby and Lyconia, and they continued to preach the gospel. So the church planting is gospel on the go. Paul and Barnabas, they heard about the stoning. They're like, that's not good. Do you think that's good? No, I don't think that's good. Let's get out of here. And they left, they, they bolted for the, the Lystra and Derby, the neighboring towns. Some of you might say, hey, wait a minute, you just said, be bold, stand, be bold. Now they're on the run. Is this a contradiction of scripture? No, it's not. This is wisdom. God's, God wants his servants to be bold. He also wants his servants to be alive, to be bold. So they go on to Lister and Derby and Paul's going to end up getting stoned in Derby but not today. And they move. Here's my closing point. This is how the gospel works today. Persecution actually spreads the gospel. When unbelievers try to squash it down, the gospel actually goes out further and faster. Satan cannot stop Jesus. It still works the same today. The more our culture becomes secular and tries to squash the gospel, nothing. you Christians, we don't want to hear about you anymore. We don't want to hear about the gospel anymore. Crushing you down... It's that very time to multiply the gospel out further than it's ever gone. So we praise the Lord for our persecutions. We praise God for being minimized. We get to baptize eight people in the next Hallelujah. That's awesome. We get to baptize 10 people in the next two weeks. That is good. You know why? No newscasts are going to cover it, but Jesus wins. He always wins. He always gets the victory. He always gets the glory. And that's church planting. It's full of highs and lows, but the battle is the Lord's, and it results in victory for Jesus, victory to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this time. Lord, from Acts 14, so good for our hearts. Lord, we pray that you work in church planting this, this amazing rinse and repeat strategy of Paul and Barnabas and ultimately you, God, to... To go preach the word. There's highs and lows. There's victories. There's challenges. But Lord, through it all, you get the victory. Through every high and low, you are to be praised. So Lord, I pray that you would work in our church this morning amongst the hearts of those who don't yet know Jesus, have not yet repented, have not yet made it personal with Jesus Christ. I pray that Jesus did die for them, did rise again and is waiting to save them. And Lord, for the church, believers here, I pray that you would encourage us toward worship, towards a realistic view of this rinse and repeat process. Oh God, use living waters to plant churches. What a privilege, what a high calling. Through the highs and lows, Lord, to bring your victory, to bring the news of the gospel. So Lord, help us to repent and confess sin where we need to. Help us to keep our eyes on the prize, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And Lord, set us out today. Lord, give us grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand with